The 1911 is one of the most iconic firearms in history. Designed by John Browning, the 1911 was the standard-issue sidearm of the U.S. military from 1911 to 1985. While Colt produced the original, almost every major firearm company has produced its own version. It's wildly revered for its reliability, crisp trigger, and is still a favorite for all types of shooters. Whether you're looking to buy or build a 1911 and just about everything for guns, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment, the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt. At MidwayUSA.com, we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns, advanced scent control technologies, and weatherproof options to withstand the elements. Hunters have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why MidwayUSA offers super-fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to MidwayUSA.com. The John Frickin' Meerpod is stoked to partner with Garage Grown Gear for Season 6 of the podcast. Garage Grown Gear, or GGG for short, is your online store for all things ultralight backpacking. Dedicated to supporting the growth of small and cottage brands, they've got everything you need all in one place. From ultralight accessories to dehydrated meals to your big three, Garage Grown Gear has everything you need to lighten your load. Based out of St. Paul, Minnesota, GGG is known for its commitment to providing quality ultralight gear, stellar customer service, and free shipping in returns over $40. Do yourself a favor and get your gear at GGG. There are no shortcuts to any place worth going. Beverly Sills. Um, like there was this one day in Florida where it was like a really, really long roadwalk section. It was like 30 something miles. And of course I didn't time that right. So I'd already done like 18 miles by the time I got to that 30. And I was like, oh man, like, what am I going to do? I can't just stop in the middle of a roadwalk section. And I was like, I'm just going to push it out. I'm going to just, it, it'll be okay. But I made it almost all the way to the end. And I'm like, I cannot do this anymore. And it was like two o'clock in the morning and like a 42 mile day. And I just found this little spot by the uh, by the river, and you could totally hear the gators going to ham. Apparently, it was gator season. Um, I'm not really sure, but you could hear the gators, you could hear the wild hogs, and I was just like, I don't even care at this point. We're just going to put up the tent and hope hope that I just live till the till in the morning. <laughs> I'm Doc, and this is Hiker Trash Radio. Hey, is this thing on? Hello? Hit it again. I think it's on now. Welcome to Hiker Trash Radio, where each week, Doc will drag some colorful characters out of the woods to talk trail and type 2 fun. If you're aspiring hiker trash, or if you're just looking to understand the hiker trash in your life, look no further. So lace up those boots, gnaw on some jerky, and settle into your 20-mile pace as we fire up the podcast from somewhere deep in the backcountry. It's time to embrace the suck.
Welcome back to another week on the trail, dirtbags, hiker trash, and of course, good smelling day hikers. I'm Doc, and this is Hiker Trash Radio. Hey, if you like what we're doing here, help us out. Take just a minute, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. And if you don't like it, well, just go ahead and keep that to yourself. All right, let's get to this week's guest, a through hiker with some stories to share. Welcome to Hiker Trash Radio, Britt McDonald. How's it going, Britt? Hey, I'm great. Thanks for having me, Doc. I'm look uh, look forward to chatting. I've been really anticipating this episode, so I'm I'm glad it's finally here. <laughs> Super excited. Now, Britt, I know you've got a lot of miles under your feet out there on the trail. Have you picked up a trail name along the way? I did. I uh, quickly took up the name with Puddin. I guess you can blame the Alabama accent on that one. Um, I was hanging out with a bunch of Northerners, and uh, my friend Hot Mess Express was actually eating um, chocolate cheesecake. And they had this whole story about how this trail angel provided the cheesecake. And I was over in like La La Limbo world. And I finally come moseying around. I'm like, holy moly, that looks like chocolate pudding. And needless to say, it kind of stuck. <laughs> now, wait a second. You had a, you had a buddy out there named Hot Mess Express? I did. It was a she, Hot Mess Express. <laughs> and what do you know the, the story behind that trail name? Um, anytime you try to get a picture with her, she was a hot mess. Got it. Got it. So it eventually took over. Now I am assuming from your pronunciation that Puddin is without a G. It is without a G. Just, just an apostrophe in in place of the G or is it just P-U-D-D-I-N? Oh, you definitely have to have the apostrophe. So P-U-D-D-I-N apostrophe. Yeah, it's it's fine to talk in the dialect as long as we are grammatically correct. So I, I totally agree with you. <laughs> because, you know, this is not the John freaking Muirpod. This is the John freaking Muirpod. So I feel like we're kindred spirits already. Oh, love it. Love it. <laughs> All right. Hey, Puddin, have you had a chance to listen to the podcast before? I've listened to a few episodes. Okay. So you are aware of a segment that comes towards the end of the episode called the hiking hack. It used to be, I assume you've been listening to season five because season six is not out yet at the time of this interview. Season five and, and before it's called the the pro tip inside of the week. We've rebranded that a little bit for season six. We now call it the hiking hack. And that's where you'll have a chance to share with our listeners uh, some trail wisdom to make their next outdoor experience even better. So don't be surprised when we get there. Sounds good. You're, do you I have already come have some, up with some stuff. I was going to ask, do you already have something in mind? Oh, I don't know. There's like quite a few things that, that run to my okay. mind. All right. <laughs> we'll, we'll, see what, we'll see what it is when we get there. All right. Trailblazers Toolkit. That's right. It's time for the Trailblazers Toolkit, sponsored by the Ultralight Backpacking Gear Company, Six Moon Designs. Now, Puddin, I love to talk about gear on the podcast, and I love to hear about the most important item in my guest adventure gear. So if you were preparing for your next adventure, and I was the one providing you with all your gear, what is the one specific piece of gear you would insist on being packed? Give me all the specifics on that piece of gear and tell me why you've got to have it out there. This can be any type of item. It could be gear. It could be apparel. It could be a luxury item. So Puddin, what is that item in your toolkit? Oh, this can be kind of hard. But, you know, I have to say my fanny pack. I use the Versa with Hyperlite, and I feel like how easily 
I always go and like grab my phone. It's just easily accessible. So I kind of feel like my fanny pack. It's snacks on deck, phone on deck, ready to roll. <laughs> nice. You know, I also subscribe to the fanny pack uh, theory. I have, I've worn a fanny pack out there multiple times. It's very handy, very accessible to get to the stuff you use on a frequent basis, but I've gotten some strange looks out there. Have you, have you also gotten a piece of the, the fanny pack haters out there? Oh, definitely. You can definitely see some judgment every now and then, but in a way though, like you said, it's easily accessible. And you know, like long distance cycle when you're getting ready for that hitch and things are just like going 90 to nothing, you just grab that fanny pack and you have all the little valuable accessibles. I just feel like I'm ready to go. But yeah, I definitely get some weird, strange looks every now and then they're like, what are you doing back in like old school? (laughs) And so what does your backpack look like if you have a fanny pack? I mean, do you not have hip belts? Or, or pockets on the hip belt? I I do. I use the Hyperlite, the 24 Junction. It does have the good hip belts, but I actually have like the 14 Pro. So I feel like my phone is kind of sort of like huge. It's like a mini tablet. So when it goes in the hip pocket, I can make it fit, but I have to work with it and work with the zippers. And to me, it's just like, gets too big of a headache. I just kind of like the flop in, flop out kind of thing. Got it. Flopping in, flopping out. Sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> all right hey let's let's keep talking about gear and to help us with that we've got it's the hiking pole the hiking pole and putting that's spelled p-o-l-l with two l's like a survey not like the things you hold in your hands out there okay i like to explain that every time because i think i'm pretty clever coming up with that what do you think <laughs> very very interesting very interesting. Like not not even clever, but interesting. <laughs> very polite. Very polite. I like it. All right. So this is a seven question survey that's going to help me give you a score from one to a hundred on the sanity scale, with one being completely insane, one hundred being completely sane. All right. All right. Now, if I were to ask your friends and family to give Puddin a a score on the sanity scale, where, where would they, where do you think they'd rank you? Oh, probably three. Three. Wow. Okay. Uh, you know, there's an automatic 25 <laughs> for anybody who's done the AT before. So your your highest possible score right now is 75. Oh, I think it's going to keep getting slimmer. Okay. All right. So these are these are seven questions, all hiking related, and it's not rapid fire. I don't want to I don't want to go through seven seven questions in like ten seconds. I want you to give me your answer and also give me some explanation. That'll help me with my calculation on how, how crazy you exactly are. Okay. Sounds good. All right. Question number one, pretty easy one. I think trekking poles or no trekking poles. Trekking poles. And here's, here's where the explanation part comes in. Uh, Okay. Touche. So I feel like the trekking poles to me, I feel like they save my knees for the future a little bit. Like with the long distance hiking, I mean, I'm almost 30, but I feel like my knees feel like they're like 60 already. So I feel like if I don't give them a little grace, they're just, my body's going to be just ruined. Um, and then the second one is for the tent, um, ultralight tents. They use the trekking poles. So I feel like two birds, one stone. Yeah. I talked to a guy recently who was not a big fan of trekking poles, but he had to bring one for his tent. So. <laughs> So long story short, I actually carried one a lot, but that's just because I would lose one 
and then I would carry one and then I would end up with another pair and then I would like lose one or leave it in someone's vehicle that I'm like left with one. <laughs> we played that game for a while. Wow. So you, you have a habit of, of losing stuff then that's kind of a interesting pattern out there. On the uh, when, it, when it comes to truck and poles. Yeah. I think you got, you, you were misnamed. You, you should have been hot mess express. Uh, something like that. Yeah. Depends on the day, I guess. Okay. <laughs> Question number two, what's on your feet, boots or trail runners? Trail runners. Um, I feel like I've definitely tried both, but I feel like long distance, the trail runners, they just dry out faster. They're breathable. I feel like they give my foot more flexibility um, I've tried many different trail runners. Um, to me, I find Topo. Topo fits really well on my feet. I feel like they're the roomy toe box, kind of like the Ultras, but you still have that same drop as the Hoka. So I feel like I'm a good middle. Got it. And how, about how many miles do you get out of your Topos? Oh, it really depends on the terrain, but maybe seven, 800. So did you run through about three pairs of those on the AT? I actually found Topos at the end of my journey on the AT. So Topos is actually my fifth pair of shoes. Um, yeah. But after I found Topos, um, I have kept Topos. So I probably went through, I don't know, maybe four or five more pairs since then. All right. It works. Keep using it. Right. So. Yeah. Right. Don't fix what's broken. That's right. <laughs> All right. Question number three, when it comes to your shelter. Do you prefer a tent, tarp, hammock, bivy, or hey, let's just cowboy camp? Ooh, that's tough. Um, I go between cowboy camping and just putting up my tent. Usually I put up my tent if it depends on the weather or if it's like super, super cold. I actually can't stand it. But other than that, you're going to catch me cowboy camping. I just feel like something under the stars and the fresh air. And after you cowboy camp so many times, I almost feel claustrophobic in my tent. But if I had to choose, I still carry my tent as my backup. All right. Any any encounters with any creepy crawlies while you cowboy camped? I know that's a big fear um, of a lot of people out there. Yeah, I've got uh, peached or stung by a scorpion, whichever um, that's happened. Um, but besides that, nothing absolutely crazy. I've had a little possum run through camp, but nothing too wild. Okay. Question number four, when it comes to your sleep system, do you use a sleeping bag or a quilt? A quilt. I'm a big uh, side sleeper and I like to bring it all up together and, and make my own little pillow and squish it up. So I'm definitely a quilt. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I don't know how side sleepers use a sleeping bag. It's just so constricting. Yeah, I feel like my legs are like in lock. I'm like, yo, they just need to come up and move. All right. What is your base weight? This is not part of the poll. Just curiosity if you're using a quilt and, and uh, a trekking pole tent. Um, so my base weight before this crazy run I just did were maybe 18, 19 pounds. Um, I actually just upgraded some stuff though, too. So I should go down a few more pounds on my next stretch. Okay. What did, what did you upgrade? I actually upgraded my quilt. I, um, for the entire journey, I used the outdoor vital quilt, um, and I just switched to enlightened equipments quilt. So I'm really excited. It's like the 950 down. So I can't wait. 
Um, and then I just tried uh, a new brand trekking pole called the Trey. They're about an ounce lighter and they're um, carbon fiber and aluminum. So I'm anxious to give them a shot too. Saving an ounce right there. Very nice. Do you also cut your yeah. toothbrush in half? I, I do. Guilty. <laughs> All right. This is factoring into your score, even though these aren't official questions. So that's, that's good. All right. Hey, when it comes to food, do you need to have a stove out there? Are you cold soak or stoveless? Oh, that's a great question. Um, normally, I would say stove. The, the entire time I first began my journey on the AT, I was like, there is no way I'm cold soaking. I'm not doing that. Um, but this actual last run of the Pinoti, I actually ditched the stove and I tried cold soaking for the first time. Um, definitely went better than expected, but I still have a huge learning curve to do. <laughs> Now, what kind of recipes did you use in your cold soak? Um, I kind of winked it a little bit. Um, for breakfast, I did oatmeal, but I mixed it with some like nuts and seeds. I used a breakfast essential packet. I used like a scoop of protein um, and I let that soak overnight. That wasn't terrible. You have to be careful with the protein ratio. I put a little too much in it one time, a little too chalky, and then you put too much seeds and then it's like too too crunchy and then you get too much water and it turns into like soup <laughs> so um i tried a little bit of couscous i did some like chicken packets and couscous i tried a little bit of honey um basics ramen turned out i really don't think you could make ramen bad but, but just a few basics i'm, I'm still still tiptoeing i should say got it now were, did you were you alone when you were cold soaking you hiking alone? Um, I actually had a hiking partner, but they refused to, sh they didn't share their stove. <laughs> See, that's the problem. In my opinion, <laughs> that's the problem is if you, if you're alone, you could probably make it work because you don't know any better, right? Cause you're, you're just in that zone, you're doing your thing. But if you are hiking with somebody else who has a stove, when you get to camp and they're eating something nice and hot, that that's when I get, I get real bad stove envy and it just doesn't work for me. I can't, I can't hold out. Oh, yeah. I was doing great until they're like, oh, try my rice. And I'm like, oh, yours tastes a lot better, all hot and warm. And I'm like, okay, I was doing good until I tried it. That's right. Slippery slope. Watch out. Yeah, yeah right. for sure. Question number six. Is life better above or below the tree line? Ooh, I don't know if I can answer this. Because I feel like, of course, the trail is always better above the tree line, but I feel like it's the things that you learn under the tree line that get you above the tree line that matters. Explain. Um, you know, it's like everyone's chasing the mountaintop or you're you're wanting to get to that next mountain. But it's kind of like I feel like what you learn along the way that kind of gets you there sometimes. And I feel like you're or in my case, I look so much at the end goal sometimes that when reality is kind of the journey that gets you to the end goal. So to me, when I think of that question, I think of, you know, above the tree line, that's, that's amazing. You got your views, you're on top of the world, but I feel like sometimes you have to get to the tree line and then it makes it so much awarding. So really just depends. <laughs> I like that explanation. You know, we, we've talked a lot about on this, on this podcast about, enjoying the moment, staying in the moment, trying not to focus on the, you know, the end goal. Um, mm -hmm. 
and how you you miss out on so much when you don't stay in the moment. I've never had I've never had it quite phrased like you just said, where you know the mountain the mountaintop or the mountain pass is typically or could be a, a goal that you're shooting for, and you're always looking forward, looking forward, looking forward to that, and you miss out on what's happening around you down in the trees. Yeah, that's exactly it. Nice, nice. I feel like sometimes it's it's what you build in the trees that gets you gets you up to the top. Okay. Very wise, Puddin. Very wise. <laughs> question number seven, last question in the poll. Uh, what's more important, pack weight or luxury items? Do we have a time frame? How long are we hiking for? <laughs> uh, let's say you're on the AT. I mean, what are you, are you, are you focused on trying to get down to 12 pound base weight or is it okay to bring some some luxury items? I guess I favor the luxury items. I probably carry a little too many. I did realize that on this this very last stretch that I attempted, I got rid of all my luxury items, and it was it was kind of difficult. I don't know if I would do that for a long. Like this is just a short week, so I was able to do that. But something like the Florida Trail and the AT and something big, I have my luxury items. See, that's interesting. I thought you were going to go the other way, saying, "Okay, if it's a short trip." then I'll carry the extra weight. I'll carry the luxury items. But if it's a long trip, <laughs> I'm carrying the pack for an extended period of time. It's going to be as light as possible. You went the exact opposite. You said, hey, if I'm going to be out there for months, I am definitely going to have some luxury items. If it is, if it's a short trip, I can make do without the luxury items. Do I, do I have that right? Yeah, I guess, I guess you're, yeah, you're right. I guess I'm backwards because the way I look at it, the least amount of time we're out there, you can kind of go without those luxury items, but the longer that you're out there, you kind of need that little, that little break or dusk or <laughs> the little itch, but I guess I'm completely backwards. <laughs> I like your way of thinking. It's very, very unique. <laughs> now, if we were to look in your bag, what, what kinds of luxury items might we find? Oh, I'm guilty of Q-tips. <laughs> guilty of q-tips um you'll definitely find a court ball that thing is like my saving grace um you would probably find the one extra pair of socks that people would argue that say i don't need but somehow i always need them and somehow they're never enough and let's see what's another little luxury probably my teeth flossers too but that's a luxury item. Those those aren't very heavy. <laughs> None of those weigh in excess of, I don't know, three, three, four ounces, especially not the floss. So I mean, yeah, okay, you're bringing some luxury items, but it's not it's not backbreaking. I talked to a French guy and he said his luxury item was a charcuterie board. Whoa. You, you, can't, you can't you can't travel without a charcuterie board. I mean, you're just crazy if you yeah. have those in your pack. I think the court ball is probably probably the craziest I got in my bag. <laughs> All right. That's great. Uh, Puddin, I need you to stand by. We're going to take your answers. We're going to run through the, the John Freaky Mirpod algorithm. I've got to do some math here. So we're going to, let's see, i got to carry the three. I'm going to divide that by root five, multiply by pi. <laughs> and we're going to adjust for the level of pain that a scorpion bite uh, that you received during cowboy camping, what the, what that impact is on you. And I come up with a score of 32. 32. 
32 higher than you expected, higher than what your friends would say. A little bit. Yeah. yeah. I think you're giving me a little bit more credit. Probably. We, we've, we've just met though. So, I mean, as we go through the interview, <laughs> you might lose some points. We'll, we'll see. Okay. We'll see. I may gain some too. You might, but it's doubtful. Don't, don't get your hopes up. <laughs> All right. Hey, Puddin', before we get too far down the trail, let's back up a little bit. Uh, tell us about your background, where you grew up, what kinds of sports and hobbies you were involved in, and how did you get involved in the thru-hiking cult? Ooh, all right. So a little about me. I'm from this little small town of Halewell, Alabama. Um, I graduated there. Um, I was actually a majorette and uh, a band nerd. So I really wasn't super, super athletic, but majorette, you know, it did require a little athletic work. The older I got, I kind of realized it. You were um, a bando. A bando. <laughs> I was. I was. I played clarinet, bass clarinet, and twirled a baton. Um, that got me all the way up until I uh, went to college. I went to the University of North Alabama. I went on a little major majorette scholarship. No, so I did way. that for another four years. There are there are majorette scholarships. <laughs> there are. It was very small. It paid for a portion of my books, but that that was about it. Um, now, how how high time, how high could you throw your baton and catch it? Oh, I don't know how much in distance, but I mean, I I could do I could do some flips under it, and at, at one time my body was capable of doing those things. <laughs> but um, fast forward to to that, um, I did the four years of college, and then I spent a lot of time like judging high schools and coming up with some high school routines and stuff like that. And at the time, I kind of felt kind of out of place. Um, I was going to college for a criminal justice major, and then turns out I didn't want nothing to do with criminal justice. And my life is kind of at this standstill, and I wasn't sure what I wanted to do and got into bartending. And then um, I lived in Florence for a while. And then 2016, I uh, visited. Did Did you say Florence? Yeah, Florence, Alabama. Oh, I thought you meant Florence, yeah. Italy. Not Italy. Like, wow, how did you end up in Italy? No. <laughs> no, small town, small town. Um, but during this whole time, too, my entire life, I had battled with mental health and depression, anxiety, and whatnot. And I was on a lot of medications off and on. And 2016, I decided I kind of wanted to switch up my environment a little bit. And I wanted to get off the medication and started finding myself naturally or whatnot. And I road trip to Virginia where I seen my best friend at the time. And she took me on my very first hike. And I was just like, mind blown. It was like a really awesome view. And I just couldn't believe like how beautiful Virginia was. And I had just been stuck in this like little old town for so long. And I'm like, oh, there's just so much more to life. So fast forward to 2017, I picked everything up and I moved to Virginia And I really got into a lot of day hiking. I did a few camping trips, nothing crazy, no like backpacking overnighters or anything in that manner. But when I was living in Daleville, that was the first time I seen these through hikers walk by. And I'm like, what are these hikers? And why are their backpacks so big? And what are they doing? Um, So it was kind of brought to my attention for the first time. And I was like, oh, that would be kind of cool to do something like that. And well, spiraling on, you know, life kind of takes over and, I kind of settled down in a long-term relationship. I started working at a bank. I was working at a gym. I was also bartending. I was staying really busy. And um, 2020 came around. 
we all know what happened in 2020 when things shut down. I started working from home and I just had this huge twist in reality because I was like, oh my gosh, I've just been wasting so much time getting ready for work and commuting to work. And there's like so much more to life right now. And I just feel like I had this just huge awareness where I just kind of wanted a little bit more freedom. Um, and at the same time, it's a blessing that I started working from home. I had an elderly dog that I was taking care of. Um, he was absolutely my world. And um, fast forward to 2021, um, I found an online gig where I kind of started working for myself. And I was like, all right, this is the start. I'm going to work it side by side with my other things and kind of gain that level of freedom so I can kind of get out and explore and adventure some things and um, started working with um, It's like an affiliate program. Started working with like um, water ionizer machines. And I started to teach people how to run like Instagram ads. And before I knew we had built this like little community and we're all kind of working on self-healing and mindset resources and just like being aware of the things that's going on around us. And then I realized I was completely unhappy in my nine to five. So by the end of 2021, I quit the nine to five. I let it go. And then um, November comes around and my sweet Milo, he had passed away. So he made it to, he was almost 17. He was 16 and a half. And after he passed away, I just kind of went on this, like, I just kind of lost it. My relationship kind of started falling apart. I kind of didn't know if I wanted to go back to Alabama restart in Virginia and I was like there's no better way to go heal and to go find yourself than to jump in a long distance trail and jump on the AT. Um, I was able to squeeze in one backpacking trip before the AT and then uh, once I started AT I was like let's just wing it and see what happens and we just kind of never stopped. (laughs) Now, Puddin, you, you, we covered a lot of ground right there. I have a lot of things I want to point out and follow up on because I, I love your story because I've talked to so many people where they're, they like day hiking. They, they're out there uh, among you know nature and the hills and trees and everything else and just having a great time. And there's always there always seems to be this moment where they see somebody, they see a through hiker and they're like, what in the world is that person doing? I mean- he he seems like he's really loaded up for just a day hike. And then you find out it's not, it's not a day hike. It's, it's a month hike, months hike. And, Mm -hmm. uh, and I I love the, the fact that that kind of got into your brain and and festered there for a while. You went, you went back to work. You you had multiple jobs going on. You kept really busy. And then it, this, this thing just kind of kept on uh, squirming in your brain and you get, you came to a point where you're like, okay, I'm going to act on that. I'm going to do something. Oh, yeah, totally. Because when you see that, you're like, oh, that'd be kind of cool to do. But I kind of never thought it would be in my reality. And then when the chains of unfortunate events just kind of happen, I was like, there's no better way than to take take advantage of it now. All right. So of the jobs that you held, which was your favorite job? Bartending. I was going to say, there's there's got to be a lot of good stories with bartending. Mm -hmm. You run into people, you're talking to people, talking to people who are uh, you know, a few drinks in, I mean, you, you probably had to hear some pretty good stories. Oh yeah. I think it, um, it allowed me to live on edge without living on edge. I got to live through other people and I got to see things on the safe side of things. And it was kind of cool to always kind of compete with myself on speed and how far you can go kind of thing. Um, so, so yeah, it was fun. It definitely had its moments though. I mean, staying up late and 
it's kind of a crash life cycle, but um, not the best healthy wise. But yeah, it was definitely fun. Now, did you use any of your majorette skills in your your bartending? I mean, did you did you throw the the mixer up in the air and do some flips underneath and catch it? Um, there was times I was practicing with a mixer. I, I could give it a few few spins, but nothing crazy. <laughs> All right, and so as you as you you thought, okay, what the heck? You're 2021. Let's. Uh, I mean, I'm having a little bit of trouble here. I'm in pain, some emotional pain. I'm going to go hike the AT. Other than that overnight hike, or the the was it overnight or was it multiple day hike before the AT? So before the AT, I was able to do an overnighter. I think it was two nights, three days. Okay. Um, and besides that, I had done a few like car camping and a few like overlanding like out west that you camped out of a car, but never carried my gear on my pack until that one little weekend before the AT. And did you do any kind of research on the AT? I mean, did you do a lot of planning? I watched a lot of YouTube videos. Isn't that what they all do? Watch a bunch of YouTube videos and think you're a through hiker? That's the way they do it now. That's right. (laughs) Yeah, I totally fell in that category. Okay. Was there a particular YouTube channel that you found most helpful? Um, I watched a lot of Dixie at the time. Um, but really I just kind of skimmed through it all. I wanted to hear stories. I wanted to hear people's reasoning why. And then once I got out there, I realized no telling how many YouTube videos you watch. You just kind of don't know until you do it and try it and get your feet wet. Get your feet wet and blistered. Yeah, totally. (laughs) (laughs) Now pudding, pudding at the beginning of the AT was in pain. What was there a transformation? But by the end, had you sorted some stuff out? Oh, yeah. I feel like the um, the pudding that started the AT is not the pudding who finished the AT. I almost feel like when I learned to embrace the name pudding, it was almost like a new identity was formed. And how I look at it, too, I feel like the AT, I feel like kind of breaks you down in those layers. It's kind of like, like an onion. Like it peels you back layer by layer and you start dealing with all these things that you didn't even know you had, like all this childhood trauma and this belief system and all this other crazy things. And then before you know it, cause I thought I was going on the AT to find myself. And I quickly realized that you can't find what you never knew. And I'm like, wow, I never knew who I was to begin with. I was just this conditioned society, Brittany, that people told me who I was going to be or, you know, for me into who I was going to be. And it's like now I'm learning actually things about me that I never knew existed and creating myself, I should say. You really got in tune with who I was. You are a philosopher. You're a philosopher. <laughs> that's the first. <laughs> no one's ever called you that before? No, no, that's the first. <laughs> so I love this image of peeling back the layers and you know, going out to find yourself and realizing that you didn't, you didn't even know yourself. Uh, and so yeah. w- what was the belief system before the AT and what's the belief system now? Ooh, I think it's, it's really no big picture on that. Um, I think it's little bitty kind of things. Um, a lot of it is, is kind of like society's rules kind of thing. Like, like, um, for me growing out my armpit hair, 
I felt like it was a new level of freedom and something that I'd never seen or even looked at myself about it because society's told me my whole entire life to shave that mess. You never let it grow out. So I just felt like it was like this new, just level of belief that you're like, oh, wow. Like, why did I really not do that? Because society told me to do that. Like, Now I have to tell you, Brittany, I've been, I've been growing my armpit hair out for decades and it's, it's liberating. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm making a have you beat at this point. We'll see. <laughs> All right. Stay tuned. If you're watching this on YouTube, stay tuned, stay tuned for the end of the episode where we will compare armpit hair. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> All right. Uh, Puddin, how are you currently financing your adventures? What are you doing to to pay the bills and to prepare for your next adventure? Yeah. So I'm actually still working online. I work through Instagram. I work with an affiliate program. So I sell um, high ticket water ionizer machines. And then I teach people how to run a business from scratch on Instagram. So, and we teach you how to do that on automation. So how to like run ads and just how to have a business running in the background. So it allows you more time to hike or adventure or do what you love or do your little hobby on the side. Wouldn't I know somebody who's, who might be interested in talking to you about that? Ooh, send them my way. I can help you out. All right. All right. Good to know. Good to know. Hey, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to hear about your, your trip on the AT and the FT and what you've been up to recently. So stay tuned for that. We'll be right back. From the backcountry to the backyard, we believe everyone deserves the highest level of protection. Since 1984, Sawyer Products offers the best, most technologically advanced solutions for protection against sun, bugs, and water. Using time-released liposome technology, topical insect repellents, and new standards in water filtration. And with every Sawyer product you buy, you are helping to provide clean water through 140 charities in 80 countries with their long-lasting water filters. Every Sawyer product you buy is an investment in our common humanity. Choose Sawyer and keep the adventure going, knowing that their products have been tested and chosen by those who count on serious protection on the trail all day long. This episode is sponsored by Jolly Gear. Are you tired of compromising between the ventilation of a button-down and the full protection of a sun hoodie? With the Triple Crown button-down, you can have the best of both. Plus, their fun standout patterns will have you the talk of the trail. Visit them at jollygear.com. Thru-hiker owned. Jolly Gear. Where fun meets functional. Six Moon Designs has been innovating ultralight backpacking gear for the past 20 years. With a wide range of products ranging from ultralight shelters to backpacks and accessories like their extensive line of trekking umbrellas, Six Moon Designs is sure to have a great piece of gear for your needs. With the company philosophy being that gear should aid one's experience, not define it, Six Moon Designs thinks the more time people spend outside the natural world, the better off this world will be. And remember, go wild, live young. And welcome back. We are talking to Brittany McDonald, 
aka Puddin, no G, no G, Puddin apostrophe, uh, about her time out there on the trails. We've heard a little bit about the AT, but let, let's get into some logistics on the AT. So not a whole lot of preparation. You went out for uh, an overnight or a couple overnights, uh, trying out the gear. Um, what were you expecting? And how did how did reality match your expectations on the AT? Oh, this is a hard question. Um, I almost pictured it kind of like one of those little fun day hikes where it was just like sunshiny and you get a view and everything is just all good and dandy. And that is not how it went. Um, my very first day, I started in a drenching thunderstorm and like I didn't pack my bag right or anything. So when I set up camp for the first time, I had a wet sleeping bag, wet gear. And this went on for like four days before I got any sunshine. So by the time I got my first day of sunshine, I was finally able to dry everything out. But yeah, the first four days, it was just like breaking in new shoes, blisters, didn't pack the gear that I had right and <laughs> soaking wet. Don't know how I didn't get hypothermia. <laughs> now, only about a, a quarter of the people who start the AT finish the AT. Did you have any self-doubt? Um, I guess I had a lot of self-doubt. I never pictured myself quitting. Um, I always told myself I was going to make it to Katahdin, but I was just going to take it as it came. Um, and every day that was the longest I've hiked. So every day I feel like it was almost like a new record. So, um, but quitting really didn't come, come to mind. Um, I talked with previous people that had done the trail and that's one thing they said is just don't quit. Um, don't quit on the bad day, I should say. Yeah, that's a, a quote that I like to use from, um, Ibitat. That was, that was his back in the day. That was his pro tip on the, on the podcast here is never quit on a bad day. Yeah. <clears throat> so during the AT, I kind of took that in, into mentality, um, days I wanted to quit. We took a lot of zeros. I feel like the, the trail family kind of helped you get through things and, you found a lot of other first timers and you bond really quickly. So like they kind of kept my spirits high. Okay. Now what was the date of your start? Um, April 5th, April 2022. 5th? And when did you finish? October 2nd. So that's so, uh, almost six months. Almost six months to the dot. Okay. And you know, how we, did you start out solo? I mean, did you go down there by yourself or did you talk a friend into doing this with you? Oh, I started completely solo, um, completely by myself. Um, I quickly met people along the way though, but yeah, I started by myself. I quickly went into the whole Tramley thing. Um, so I was off and on with Tramleys through the entire AT. And what was, what was the reaction of your family when you told them that you were going to be hiking the AT by yourself? Um, my grandparents raised me and my grandparents, they were in a full panic. They thought I was just going to get like eat by a bear. I was going to be like kidnapped or put in a trunk or something. Um, I don't think they were expecting anything like they see. I think they were experienced or picturing maybe like a bunch of like bushwhacking out in the middle of the, the woods in the middle of nowhere. But um, they're definitely a lot better now. <laughs> And did you have any concerns about being alone out there? 
Um, a little bit. I mean, there was definitely fears. Um, I like I had never camped by myself um, or anything in that manner. And, you know, you hear scary news and TV stuff every now and then about being a female. But when I got out there, I just realized like how people look after you. And the AT is such a big trail that even though you started alone, I didn't really feel like I was alone. Like I feel like I had people and stuff. And surprisingly the the good things just kept appearing when needed to be that you kind of forget about all the bad stuff that you're told and you just kind of I know to me it kind of restored my faith in humanity it's like as each day went on the fears they became less and less and it just became more as a normal and more just part of the routine fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish it's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Got it. Now, how how big was your tramley? And did you did you stay with that tramley from the very beginning all the way to the end? Or how how is trail life on a long trail like that? Are you are people constantly coming in and out of your life? How does that work? Hunting boots are a critical component of any successful hunt. Whether walking a short distance to your blind or trudging miles through rugged terrain, your feet are carrying the load. Without the right boots, you could give up early and lose out on that trophy just over the ridge. At Midway USA, we make selecting boots for your next hunt easier. With just a few clicks of a mouse, you can decide on what's important, like waterproofing, insulation, size, width, and savings. For just about everything for shooting, hunting, and the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Yes. Um, I feel like I was probably in the total of four or five families. Um, It kind of started very large there at the beginning, but then quickly started dropping off by quitting and mileage and and whatnot. but I feel like it definitely grows and goes back and forth based on people just coming and going and dropping off. But um, Midway USA brand product designers have one straightforward goal, develop high quality, technically sound products and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices. If you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail, you know our products are built right and stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop 24-7 with super fast shipping. MidwayUSA.com That's kind of, in, in a way, I feel like when I first started the AT, I actually had a, like a little bit of a problem with this because I could tell maybe I've had some sort of like abandonment issues because it's like all of a sudden this friend comes along and it's like, oh, we're, we're both hiking, we love each other. And then all of a sudden you don't see them for like weeks and weeks at a time and it was kind of hard to open up there for a little bit and then I feel like one day you just have this awareness moment that it's like wow everything truly does happen like it's supposed to at the perfect time and like people come into our life and they're supposed to and they kind of go when they're supposed to and make it part of the story and it's it's kind of cool to see all the the faces that you meet and all the people that kind of come your way. Nice. How how about your fitness? I mean, were you ready for a 2200 mile hike? Did you, uh, I know you said that progressively you would have longer and longer days. How long did it take you to get your, your trail legs under you? 
you know, believe it or not, um, I actually thought I was really in shape. I was a gym junkie, but that does not mean anything in the backpacking world. Um, I could, you know, do a lot of pull-ups and push-ups and I could hold the weights, but I struggled to get, I think the first few days I did like eight miles on the AT. I feel like it took me forever to get to my first 20. <laughs> now, is there a particular story that you are fond of, uh, that you tell to a lot of people about your time on the AT? You know, this upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit Tacovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. I don't know if I have one. I mean, I probably, I don't know. What are you looking for? Well, typically it's in the vein of, of type two fun, right? Type one fun, you're having fun, but you don't really talk about it afterwards. Type two fun, you're not having fun when it happens, but Man, you love to tell that story. It's almost like a life and death story. You can't believe what happened or how bad you were suffering. But that is that's your go-to story when when you're in a family gathering or out with friends and people ask you about the AT. Ooh. Man, this one caught me off guard there. Um, there was this one particular incident where we were slide packing in Virginia and, you know, when it says 30% chance of rain, you don't think you need a rain jacket or your gear or anything. And you think it's just going to pass right over. And, and then it turns into this huge thunderstorm and hailstorm and a, and a tornado. Um, that, that was kind of a fun day. We didn't know how we were going to get out of that one. <laughs> Cause I left my Garmin too, along with my other gear. We were like slide packing. So I only had like half my stuff. So I didn't have anything I needed. And the ride was supposed to pick us up at this one particular road. And needless to say, by the time it thunderstormed, they were getting hit with like golf, golf ball size hail. We're like, where the hell did this come from? Um, yeah. That was a crazy day. That is some definite type two fun. So after yeah, six, it was tight too. After six months, you are approaching Katahdin, or just just less than six months, you're approaching Katahdin. What is going through your mind as you are getting close to the end? <clears throat> I almost couldn't even describe my feelings. It's like every day you could see Katahdin getting a little bit closer, and it's almost like I didn't know what to do. Like I thought I was going to start the trail and I was going to have all these answers laid out for me and everything was just going to be so clear. 
and I was just going to make it and just go on with my happy life. But what they don't tell you is that sometimes you're more shaken up before than you even started. <laughs> so I feel like I felt just as lost almost as I was going to Katahdin. And I just was like, I don't know what else to do. I've been walking north for like six months. So let's just continue on walking north. But you didn't. You Did you walk all the way to Canada? I went to the Canadian border. Wow. So you didn't stop at Katahdin. You kept going. I kept going. Um, so actually between Katahdin and Millinocket is the only spot I don't have a connected footpath. And that's because when I finished the Katahdin, I went back to Millinocket and I was so torn. I was like, I, I don't know what to do. I, this is six month journey. It's come to an end. And it just feels like I've just been like hit in the wall. Like even though you see it coming for six months, it's like you're not expecting it to get here and it just be real and right there. So I was like, I want to continue walking. And at the time it was so random and so spontaneous. Like I didn't have the whole passport, um, the whole shuttle thing to get me back to Katana was going to be like over $200 and it just kind of wasn't in the specs of, I guess, what I should be doing at that time. So I just packed my bag and walked straight from Millinocket and just started walking to the Canadian border. And I was like, we'll just kind of figure life out when I get to the Canadian border. So how much time did that did that take you? Um, I got to the border on October 7th. So I started walking technically October 3rd. Oh, so just another four days. Yeah. And did you have it all figured out by the time you got there? Oh, absolutely not. <laughs> absolutely not. I ended up taking like six weeks off. Um, I went back to Virginia and I actually um, packed up my belongings and stuff. I actually hit a few day hikes on the AT and went and seen some white blazes and kind of was like, what direction am I going to go or do? And um, I actually went out to Mount Montana. I did a few hikes out there and then I went back to Alabama to visit family. And that's when I was like, yo, the Penhodes right here. Like, let me just jump on the Pinoti. I'm not done. Let's just connect it back to Springer. So that's that's what I've done. Um, took six weeks off. And then the end of November, I jumped on the Pinhoti And um, I finished it like December 22nd. And then I went home for Christmas. And I got out of the single digit cold weather front that came out of nowhere. Trying to cross rivers at single digits was just insane. Um then I went back and I connected the Bent Mackay to Springer Mountain. And I was like, all right, I'm still not done. <laughs> then I went back to the um, southern terminus of the Penhody and I started walking south. So I did the Alabama Roadwalk. I did the Florida Connector Trail. And then I went back to Pensacola and hiked the entire Florida Trail. And then I took it on down to Key West. Wow. So you have almost, almost put your foot on every part of the international Appalachian trail. Almost. Almost. Just missing, that, just missing that little piece north of Katahdin. Yep. And I connected the roadwalk to the IAT, but yeah, just missing that little piece and then going into Canada. But Well, putting that that's close enough for me. Are you are you satisfied with that? <laughs> um I'm satisfied with it. Um seeing the fact that I didn't even really know that was a thing when I wanted to walk it. Um uh, I'll definitely take it. Um, my goal was to kind of have it to Key West within my calendar year. And I ended up doing it, I think, 11 months and something. Um, so, I mean, I'll take it. It's a first time through hike. 
I mean, I'm missing that little section, but I don't think it's the end of the world. Tell us about hiking from Key West. Did you go northbound from Key West or did you did you go down to Key West? I went down to Key West. I did yeah. south. So I started at the big cypress and walked right. um, all the way down. And so, I mean, you're, you're basically walking on a highway uh, that's over the ocean, right? Connecting the different keys. Yeah, basically. And then when I came through, it was a little too hot that you're supposed to be hiking through there. So I ended up having to compromise and try to do like a lot of night hiking and it ended up getting like crazy through there. Night hiking on a highway connecting keys. That oh, yeah. sounds that sounds a little bit crazy. <laughs> oh yeah. Um it was the only way I could avoid a little bit of the sun. Um I just had to make it work. And I just started like trying to knock out some bigger miles at the time. Um so yeah, we just made it work. Now I can't imagine there there had to be too many other people doing that same hike that direction. No, I ran into another couple and a dog that was doing a weird flip-flop and some pieces, but not the exact path that I took. No. Okay. Whichever journey is a little bit different though, right? That's right. <laughs> any any issues with the swamps? Ooh, that was my first time ever hiking through swamps. Um, I had to get over the anxiety really quick. Um, there was definitely a few water moccasins swimming beside me and we got over that fear, but you know, by the, the end of Big Cypress, when I made it through, they it was actually completely dried up. They said that's the first time in a very long time that it was lack of water. So there at that very last stretch, I think I went over like 14 miles with no water. Um, so I actually had to push out a big day to get to the visitor center. And I remember getting to the, uh, to the sign. I was just like, I need water. <laughs> I was like borderline dehydrated and thought I was going to die. Um, a lot of locals started like running up to me with like water and fruit and bag of chips. <laughs> I was like, thank you. Now, where do all the gators go when it dries up? Not there, but you know, I had that same question. <clears throat> you can see a few gator slides. Gator slides mean the marks on the ground? Yeah. But, yeah. You, but they weren't yeah, there. No, and you know, I've seen a lot going into like, because I ended at Big Cypress. So all through Florida, I've seen a lot, especially around like St. Mark's. It starts getting really heavy through there. Um, but you just kind of, I think I still have a little PDSD with the gators, to be honest, because this past go around on the Pinhoti, I know for a fact there's no gators, but yet I'm still looking for them. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm like looking at my headlamp, I'm like, where's the red eyes? That that's a pudding. That's a hard pass for me. I I I I don't know how I would camp knowing that there. I'm in gator territory. That that's just that's a big fear. Uh yeah, but you know, like like anything else with hiking, it it just starts to become normal after a while. Um, like there was this one day in Florida where it was like a really really long road walk section it was like 30 something miles and of course I didn't time that right so I'd already done like 18 miles by the time I got to that 30 and I was like oh man like what am I going to do I can't just stop in the middle of a road walk section and I was like I'm just going to push it out I'm going to just it'll be okay but I made it almost all the way to the end and I'm like I cannot do this anymore and it was like two o'clock in the morning and like a 42 mile day 
and I just found this little spot by the uh, by the river, and you could totally hear the gators going to ham. Apparently, it was gator season. Um, I'm not really sure, but you could hear the gators, you could hear the wild hogs, and I was just like, I don't even care at this point. We're just going to put up the tent and hope hope that I just live till the till in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that is that is bonkers. Now you you've mentioned the Pinhoti Trail a couple times here, and I know that you have just come off the Pinhoti Trail. What what have you been up to recently? Um, so recently, when I finished up at Florida, I decided that I really wanted something that I was going to um, challenge myself. Um, I feel like what I've got out of my through hike is exactly what I've looked for in like self healing and what I've looked for and awareness levels and intuition and everything but I never really physically push myself to that max um I feel like I've always kind of sort of played it safe on my through hikes like even though I've had some crazy adventures I feel like my mileage has always been kind of like reasonable or I've worked myself up like to a really far distance so I was like you know I'm ready to just really uh, push myself and see see what I can do so coming back from Florida I decided to yo-yo the Pinhoti. Um, the reason I did this was because coming from Florida, it was so flat. So I decided to run the Penhody North and get some, like, make sure my trail legs were back in the game with the elevation and the little mountains or whatnot. And then, um, I was going to attempt a FKT on the way back. And I was going to try to run the 350 miles in seven days. Um, and that was definitely um, an experience I wasn't expecting. <laughs> no, hang on. Let me do a little math here. 350 miles in seven days. That's those are that's 50 mile days. 50 mile days. Yeah. Wow. Needless I, to say, this, this past seven mile stretch, I did my first 50 mile day, multiple 50 mile day, my first 60 mile day, and my first uh, staying up more than 24 hours hiking. So I got what I wanted in the challenging myself, but unfortunately I didn't quite make the the FKT. Um, we're still dealing with a lot right now with like feeling like a failure, but still getting what I comp, you know, what I was looking for. Um, I don't think I'm done with the Pinhoti yet, <laughs> but it was definitely an experience. Um, staying staying up that late with um, not amount of sleep. It was my first time ever like hallucinating. So I was hallucinating on trail. I went wrong direction, accidentally going no bow, and I was supposed to be going so bow. I got twisted up without realizing it. Pretty sure I hiked through a haunted section. Didn't realize that till like after I did some research when I finished because it kind of freaked me out a little bit. Um, I just thought I like stayed up too late, <laughs> but I made it um, all the way to the very end and. I got twisted up in this drenching thunderstorm and spent five hours bushwhacking and accidentally slipped off a little waterfall bluff area. And when I finally made it to the road, um, I thought I was more hurt than what I was. And just being mentally out of it, I couldn't make a, a good decision. And I ended up tapping out with eight miles to go. So, Now, when you say waterfall and a bluff, I mean, how, how far did you fall? Um, I didn't fall too, too far. It was Terrapin Hill. Not sure if you're familiar with it or not. Um, it, it was midnight, like 1240. So, I mean, five hours of bushwhacking on this crazy embankment with seven days of no sleep, delirious, hallucinating. Um, 
you know, military crawling under blowdowns and trying to jump over them. And I just somehow kept getting twisted up. I didn't fall too, too far. It was more like a slide. And then I like hit a rock and bounced. Um, but at the time I couldn't tell, like my body was just in like survival mode. Um, I thought maybe I had like really messed up a rib or something. And I just kind of just completely shut down. So I, I was talking to Ken Posner, AKA barefoot Ken. And he says the secret is not to stare directly at the hallucinations. Just keep track of them kind of on the, on the, on the corner of your eyes. No, that's good to know. And it's so crazy how like the hallucinations will be based off like your fears too. Like it all started when I seen a rattlesnake on trail at night. Cause I've never seen one at night. I was like, what does this thing do at night right here on, on the trail? But anyways, it was just this massive rattlesnake. And after that, like every leaf became a copperhead, every tree trunk became like a bear cub. And it would be like, so real. Every stick would just come up and it would be like, Oh, I just got snake bit. <laughs> it's like, did you watch Harry Potter? Any of the Harry Potter um, movies? Yeah. yeah, it's like that cabinet, right? Your worst fear comes out of the cabinet, depending on on who you are and what you're thinking about. So that's that's very oh, totally. Yeah. Oh yeah. Now, totally. So what, so seven days you're shooting for fifty miles a day. What were your actual mileages? Day one, day two, day three, etc. Um. So I averaged right at fifty the first few days, um, and then I actually messed up one day and actually cut it twenty miles too short, and I accidentally overslept. And I was like, oh, man, I'm not going to be able to play catch up. And somehow I, I I did. I pulled like a 60 that next day. And then I just didn't sleep. So then I just still hiked. So honestly, I can't tell you my biggest day. I know the longest amount of sleep that I've had was five hours. And then I had a few cat naps in the middle of those those days. And I know when I tapped out with eight, eight miles to go, um, it was like, 1240 at night and I had until 202 a.m. and that would have beat it under the record the seven days and 18 hours so I don't know how close I would have got I know that was really too close <laughs> so now the whole FKT thing you, I mean is is a direct comparison right you're you're comparing yourself to whatever the current fastest time is. And you're trying, you're trying to beat that. And so if, if you don't get it, obviously there's going to be some disappointment, some feelings of, you know, I, I you know, I, I didn't succeed, but if you take that out of the equation, you just look at what you did, what you accomplished over those six, seven days. I mean, if you compare it against yourself and what you've done in the past, it's definitely a win for you. I mean, that that's just incredible. Yeah, I think that's the perspective that you kind of have to, you know, we're so hard on ourselves at times, but I did get exactly what I was looking for, you know, the challenge myself, the first timers for myself. And I know that I'm capable of a lot more than I kind of thought I ever could be. Um, and I kind of learned a lot. And I think that's that's what matters, too, is I don't necessarily think it's a failure if you learn um, I learned a lot. And for me, I've never even like ran a marathon or like a 5k. <laughs> so this is just brand new to me. So wait, let's just yeah, see what's anybody, out there. If anybody listening out there, if, if there's a, a runner or I don't know, some, some other type of athlete out there that, that is saying, well, she hasn't run a marathon. She has run a 5k. She just walked for 60 miles. I mean, how, how big a deal. I challenge that person to try and walk 60 miles. I mean, <laughs> 
you, you try and walk 60 miles and you won't be walking the next day. I mean, that will, that will do a number on you. Oh, totally. It was the hardest thing I've, I've ever done. I'm, I'm still recovering a little bit, but um, I had definitely had some mixed thoughts going through there. Cause I was like, I noticed when I was bushwhacking in that five hours, that seemed like forever. And I just thought, you know, like I had this whole thing in a bag and, I had all these obstacles that I had come across and overcome and now I'm back at the top and I'm still in the game. And, and here I am just like getting done with a stretching thunderstorm and hanging on to this embankment. And then I was like going through these mixed emotions, like I'm never going to hike again. And you just wait till I come back and I get, I get to do this again. So it was just like torn between this like inner beast that's wanting to come out and then just kind of sitting on the sidelines. <laughs> That is the perfect segue to my next question. What is the next big adventure for Puddin? That's, um, I think right now to be determined. Um, I was really set on doing the CDT Sobo um, and leaving mid-June. Um, but um, I, I think I'm going to take it easy for the next few weeks and kind of see. I feel like since I started hiking, I really haven't had time to even kind of reflect and kind of really think about my hikes a lot. So and I feel like now um, after this run, it's kind of forced me to sit down a little bit and I'm kind of seeing things a lot differently. So um, I think uh, we'll have to stay tuned to, to see what's next for Puddin'. I know the Penhody is not off the list. I am definitely going back to finish those eight miles so I can call it a through hike. <laughs> so I can say I yo-yoed and um I, I see that FKT town coming. Like, I don't, I don't think I'm going to let it go. I came too close. But. Okay. Fantastic. Hey, uh, Puddin, you know where we are right now? We're on John Muir's freaking podcast. That's right. We sure are. But we're also at that point of the episode. <laughs> Hiking Hacks. Hiking hacks. Yes, it's time for Puddin to share some trail wisdom with our listeners to make their next outdoor experience even better. So what do you have for us? Oh, this is kind of kind of difficult. Trail wisdom is in like mindset or could be mindset, it could be a tip, a trick, it could be, you know, a mistake that you've made that you don't want others to make. Well, I will say duct tape fixes majority of everything. So duct tape on your truck and pole. I I did not believe in that at first, but you'd be surprised with how much duct tape patches my my gear has and it tends to hold up. I feel like duct tape comes <laughs> like you need it the most random times. Um, and then something else is uh, hike your own hike. Trust your journey. You know, like, I feel like we get caught up, like I can say right now, I'm in this comparison game of like numbers and mileage and sometimes um, sit back and reflect and think about what you did do. Um, I know for, for me, you know, we just kind of talked about this, you know, failure of the FKT. I feel like what I did push my body through. Um, I've had some moments I learned a lot and sometimes it's not all about the mileage or comparing to other people. So I think the biggest thing is to not forget it's your hike. Don't forget it's your journey and what you're seeking to do and your why. Well said, Britt. Well said. So there you have it. We are just about done here. I hope our listeners enjoyed our time with Puddin. want to thank her for joining us this week. Puddin, how can our listeners keep up with you on social media and where can they find updates on your latest adventures? 
Um, I'm up to date on Instagram and I'm currently growing the YouTube and they're both hiking with button. All one word, all lowercase. Is there a G in hiking? Absolutely not. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, yes. Yes. Hiking has a G. Pudding does not. Okay. G in hiking, <laughs> not in pudding. Good, good clarification. <laughs> all right. Remember to check out the pod on social media as well. We are on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And if you have comments or clips that you want to share with me, you can do that at johnfreakingmirror at gmail.com. Also, no G. Now, unfortunately, we can't always be on the trail, right, Puddin'? And when we're not, we need to find a way to get our adventure fix. So, Britt, I'm going to ask you to share some outdoor adventure media with our listeners to help them get by. This could be a book or a movie or a documentary. What do you have for us? Any recommendations? Oh, sure. So, um, my favorite is Green Lights by Matthew McConaughey. I really enjoy his perspective on life and how he kind of throws the wrong turns in our life sometimes as red lights or green lights. And I feel like a lot of that happens while hiking too. Like you get a lot of life lessons and sometimes when you're out there and you get to go off your intuition in a snap, you got to decide if it's a green light or red light and you get to create it. So I really enjoyed that one. And then anything else, I feel like I'm a law of attraction girl. So I listen to a lot of mindset, Abraham Hicks. And then if you're looking for a documentary, I really like the Alpinist. Yeah, that was good. That was good. And I've heard a lot of great things about uh, uh, Matthew McConaughey and then Greenlight, but this is the first time it's appeared on the podcast. So congratulations on that. Well done. Oh, nice. Finally. (laughs) What have we not asked you? And before we wrap things up, just one more segment for you called, what have I not asked you that you're dying to tell us about? What do we miss today? Oh, what did we miss? Mm. I'm not sure if you've missed anything, but I will say your support system matters. I feel like if you're, do anything absolutely crazy or you need to like something first time long distance. I really feel like having a support system. Um, I'm big on sometimes not letting people know what I do and I want to do it all to myself. And I feel like sometimes um, it's a lot easier with other people and the support system can go a really long way. So I don't feel like there's any shame in having a good support system. And I feel like that's one thing I wish I would have had more of on this like Penhody round in the FKT. So Get you a good support system. Totally agree. That's awesome. <laughs> All right. We are finished. Thank you for coming on the podcast, Britt. Wish you the very best in your future adventures, whatever those may be. And we hope you'll consider coming back at some point and sharing some more epic stories. As we close up, do you have any shout outs to friends and family? Oh, definitely. Um, friends and family, all my close ones that's helped me through this journey, all the trail angels. I feel like I couldn't have made it without um, everyone coming together. So, yeah. Okay. people know who they are. <laughs> nice. If you don't name them, that means you don't don't forget anybody. So that's that's uh, very smart as well. You pick up. I like that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thank you for tuning in. Always remember the trail is the trail. It doesn't care if you want to go downhill. It doesn't care if it's almost dark and you're looking for a campsite. It doesn't even care if you just walk 60 miles and haven't slept in more than 24 hours. The trail is the trail. Embrace the suck. Touche.
Join me, Chef Jean-Paul Bourgeois, and the whole crew here at Duck Camp Dinners every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. Birds up in the sky. Don't miss Mondays with Into the Blue, brought to you by Academy Sports and Outdoors, every Monday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.